Did you know the happiest place on earth also has one of the best campgrounds on earth? On this episode of RV Miles, Disney World, and Disney's Fort Wilderness Campground. your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 13 for October 19th, 2017. If you want to find today's show notes, you can do so at rvmiles.com slash episode 13. You can also keep up with RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to follow along with Jason and I as we travel around the country with our three boys, we are over at OurWanderingFamily.com, and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the happiest place on earth, at least to us. My happiest place, for sure. <laughs> Disney World and Disney's Fort Wilderness Campground. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about just some tips for anybody visiting Disney World on the second segment of the show. And on the last segment, we'll talk about Fort Wilderness Campground and all the uh. wonderful things it has to offer. <laughs> but first, uh, we're coming to you this week again from the Milwaukee area. In fact, when this podcast comes out, we will actually be pulling up stakes and heading on for an unknown location. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely wandering for a few weeks until we are due back in Kansas City. But we have had a wonderful time here in Milwaukee. Jason's stepmother underwent a kidney transplant, a successful kidney transplant while we were here, and she is now home and recovering, and we are incredibly thankful. We are, and uh, her brother, John, who donated the kidney, is also home and recovering well, and we couldn't be more thankful to him. So with that... So that's the family news. <laughs> that's the family news. <laughs> We wanted to talk a little bit about some news about Camping World. Uh, Camping World, the nation's largest RV retailer, has been making some major moves recently. They are becoming like a game player. They've named... in all areas of the camping industry. <laughs> and well, and they're they're they've named a stadium. They've they've put their lent their name to a NASCAR race and a car. And there's just so much they're they're doing to expand their brand. Well, and as Chicago Cubs fans who are currently thrilled that we might be heading to the World Series for a second year in a row. We have been watching the games and Camping World has been all over these games. Like I was kind of surprised just how much yeah. Camping World is visually being seen right now during the playoffs. So now Camping World has, they have announced that they're buying Uncle Dan's Outfitters. Uncle Dan's isn't all over the country, no. but there's a there's a lot of them. So it's it's a big outfitter brand yeah and we're familiar with them because there are several stores in and around the chicago area that we do enjoy like strolling through and being like i'll take one of these and these and these <laughs> so camping world has been known as sort of only an rv brand even though camping is in their name and you'd think it would be for all campers but <laughs> right. if you go into camping world store they don't sell tents they don't no they're definitely they catering kind of to stuff. the rv industry and the rv camper no backpacks or anything nope. like that but with this purchase, it seems like they're moving towards that direction. They've also purchased a lot of the assets of the defunct Gander Mountain brand. 
They've purchased Overton's, which is a retailer of boating and marine accessories. TheHouse.com, which is a retailer of bikes, sailboards, skateboards, snowboards, etc. So they're really they're really making a move. And it was just announced that Uncle Dan's is going to be the official outfitter of Major League Baseball. What? Yeah. So, oh, well, that explains now why Camping right. World has been all over the playoffs. <laughs> They've bought some other private dealerships that are t- they're turning into Camping Worlds. So I think, you know, we're just seeing more of this explosion of the RV industry. Well, and I wonder why Camping World is buying up all these different little areas of the camping, outdoor, and RV sectors. Yeah. I mean, could it have anything to do with the recent... Bass Pro Shop Outdoor World Cabela mergers. Yeah, Cabela's. so you've got a you've got a major conglomerate of outfitter of outdoor outfitters there with Cabela's and Outdoor World. So <laughs> it's gonna become like outdoor wars. <laughs> <laughs> and we should say a lot of people cannot stand Camping World. No, they don't like Camping World, do they? Like if you are around on any of the social media forums, especially the Facebook groups, that's like that one word that's just going to trigger responses that have literally absolutely nothing to do with your question. But the fact that you just said your question originated at Camping World, people just like, they just, they rage. It's like their their heads explode. <laughs> it, it seems to have a lot to do with their service department. And, yeah, and their so, service and sales. sales. But uh, you know, I, I wonder sometimes how much of that has to do with the fact that they are really the only national brand. So they're the only ones that we really hear about. Well, yeah, more people are engaging with their brand because you can find them all over the place. Whereas if you are talking about a local dealer, most likely in this group that you're in, you're only maybe going to find a couple of people that are like, oh, I know Joe down the street at you know yourrvsales.com yeah. or whatever. Whereas you say Camping World... And everyone at some point has probably either been into a camping world or at least heard of them. I mean, we only have experience with camping world in regards to like their retail section. And we, you know, to go in and buy a collapsible laundry basket or a folding table. But I like camping world so far. (laughs) I think they get blamed a lot, perhaps, for the quality issue in the RV industry right now. And, you know, you buy a new RV from Camping World and it's got 17 problems with it. it. That's not Camping World's fault. They've got to then put that in their service department and repair it. And there's this big backlog of RVs to be repaired. It, it's hard to blame them for that when manufacturers aren't putting out the quality that you would expect in a brand new RV. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really valid point. And I'm sure that there are also really valid points for people who have who an issue issues. with Camping yeah. World. like. Nothing is perfect. And, you know, I don't want to, like, discredit those people who who have a gripe with Camping World. But it does seem to be one of those trigger words in forums and in social media groups that just upsets people. Well, let's be honest. Camping World is the only option for a lot of people. It's not like you go to a town and you've got 10 different RV dealerships to choose from. And aren't all vehicle dealerships known to be a little bit on the shady side? <laughs> so, I, you know, I think, again, it's it's a, it's the only option for a lot of people. And, you know, what can you do? Anyway, moving on from Camping moving World. Moving on from Camping World. Hey, this weekend is a, a big meteor shower. 
the Orionid meteor shower is going on. Yeah, a super cool meteor shower that's been going on since like the beginning of October. But this weekend is going to be like the prime viewing the time, prime piece de be... resistance of this whole month long experience. Yeah, in in the nighttime between Saturday and Sunday at uh, about one thirty in the morning, they say say is the prime time. But anyway, now is that one thirty Central Standard Time? You know, I don't know. Maybe I think it, that would be... I think it probably doesn't matter because it probably changes oh, yeah. with the time zone as the Earth rotates. I don't know. I don't know how this works. But like after midnight... <laughs> this be... is like math. Don't ask us about math. <laughs> and clearly don't ask us about science. <laughs> the Earth is traveling through the debris of Halley's Comet right now. And that's why we're getting to see this. So the reason it's called the Orionid meteor shower, they should be originating from the constellation of Orion. So if you find that in the sky, you should be able to see them heading out from there. I just think all of this is so cool. Like, yeah. I'm excited to see it this weekend. And I do know if for whatever reason you can't check it out Saturday night, this experience, this meteor shower is actually happening until I think early November, like we should be able to see shooting stars on a pretty regular. Yeah, but it's occasion. this weekend is the is sort yeah, of the prime time. But, so uh, they say a day or two on either side of Saturday is is really when you want to look. Yeah, but you might get a little extra bonus through the rest of October if you look up at night Go after see midnight. A shooting star. <laughs> yep. All right, we have a lot to talk about with Disney World. A lot of tips. We are very experienced Disney World travelers. And we got a lot to share with you. So we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and dive right into it. Jason has to go get his Mickey ears on. We are back to talk about all things Disney. But first, the answer to last week's brain teaser. That flash from the past brain teaser. From way past. (laughs) Way back in the 80s. A man was driving alone in his car listening to his favorite cassette when he accidentally ejected it from its slot onto the floor, which was already littered with used audio tapes. Without taking his eyes off the road, he rummaged under his seat picked up the correct tape, and reinserted it. How did he manage that? How did he manage that, Jason? He did because the cassette was still warm. So he reached around and found the warm one. (laughs) Back in the day when (laughs) your music was still warm (laughs) from being in the machine. (laughs) Oh, that was a good one. I actually liked that. Only for the conversation that it evoked last week as we strolled down memory memory lane we'll have the new brain teaser at the end of the show and this one is halloween related (laughs) speaking of halloween actually disney is in like in the throngs of mickey's not so scary halloween right now halloween is a big deal at disney world it is and at and at the fort wilderness campground it is we'll talk about that in the next segment but halloween's a it's a busy time to go uh, but they decorate the whole place up And they have a big Halloween party every night. Yeah, so if you are really into this holiday, Disney, even with its crowds, might just be the place for you right now. I mean, what's better than trick-or-treating in the Magic (laughs) Kingdom around all the shops and the rides? 
because they give out good candy there too. <laughs> like they do not play. That candy is good and it would be very difficult for me to share it with the children. First thing I wanted to do was sort of give an overview of what Disney World is for people that haven't gone and sort of dispel a few myths. Disney World is four theme parks. The Magic Kingdom, which is sort of a clone of Disneyland in California. Or a tribute, a tribute. as we like It's to plussed say. up a bit. Yes. There are different rides. There. The castle is different. It's mm-hmm. Cinderella's castle as opposed to Sleeping Beauty's castle, which is in Disneyland. It's bigger. It's bigger. Uh, there's Epcot, which is... It was originally supposed to be two parks, and they sort of smashed them together. Half of it is this sort of futuristic future world thing that's not so futuristic anymore. It's a little dated. It's a little dated. But there's still a lot of fun stuff going on there. And the future world also has some, like, uh, you know, there's the seas and the land. It's it's sort of like going to a science museum. It's like the educational park, in a way. And in my mind, too, it's also the park that... Like you said, it's like a smash of two. Like, it can't quite figure out what it wants to be. Like, the World Showcase has a pretty good idea. Which is the other half of the park. Which is the other half, which is my favorite part of Epcot for many reasons. A, because you get to stroll through all these different cultures and all these different countries. And also, you can drink through all of those countries. (laughs) And eat through all of those countries. And eat through all of those countries. It's, they're, the pavilions, they're, when I say pavilion, they're like, buildings and gardens and all yeah, kinds of things. Yeah, each one is like themed for that country's and they're, heritage. They're sponsored by those countries and the employees are all from those countries. They have performers doing little shows. Some of them have rides. It's- I think that section of Epcot is really, really fleshed out. I think Future World... It's undergoing a bit of a Yeah, a, I think it change. can't quite figure they're out what it wants to it, be. You know? yeah. But it's still... Uh, Epcot is... Is one of my favorite parks. And then, We've always treated Epcot as a two-day park. Yeah, to, absolutely. Just because the world it showcase It takes two days is, to walk around it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. Bring your tent. Then there's Disney's Hollywood Studios, which is a park that is going under a massive transition. Massive, and was also, that park was kind of created in response to Universal, right? Yeah, like it was it sort was... of a rebuke to Universal Studios. It's like, okay, we're going to have a park that is about movies and movie making as well. And it was sort of that when it was created. But now they're building the new Star Wars land there. I cannot wait. Which is going to be incredible. Oh my gosh. But it won't be open until 2019. And they're building the new Toy Story land as well, which is also going to be really cool. But in order to do those two lands, they've had to close down a lot of the old stuff. Which is a little sad. So we've lost Indiana Jones, which was a huge favorite. The Indiana Jones live show. That was like a favorite of ours. Jason's a huge Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones fan. And they've also gotten rid of the Lights Motor Action Stunt Show, which was a big spectacle with with stunt car drivers. Yeah, our kids really liked that show. I mean, I think that was one of those things where you could go and sit down for a long period of time and have everyone's attention held the whole time and get a little bit of a rest. They've gotten rid of the backlot tour, which was a, a, where you got on trams and you went around the actual working backlot where there was animation. and Yeah, they've basically eliminated all of the... The stuff that was really about movie making. Well, and also that took, what I was trying to say was also stuff that took up a lot of space. Yeah. Like all of those had their own designated theaters, their own designated, like that backlot tour went around a lot massive. of the park. It was a third of the park. Yeah, so I think those all got eliminated in order to make 
room for Star Wars land. And like you said, they're beefing up the Toy Story area, which has like one of our favorite rides in the park, Toy Story Mania. So so the park seems to be coming, becoming more about the movies themselves instead of making movies and the sort of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, it's becoming about specificity. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting, like over the next, you know, couple, two, three, four years, that park for some people may become unrecognizable. But it's still worth going to. There's still a lot to do there. You might not spend more than a half day there, uh, but I think it's the only park that we would recommend that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then the fourth park is the Animal Kingdom, which just underwent some additions and expansion and renovation. Animal Kingdom is sort of, it's Disney's nature park. It's kind of like a zoo mixed with a theme park, but there's really nothing zoo-like about it other than the fact that there are a bunch of animals there. They create animal exhibits in a way that you are sort of either walking through nature or you're taking a safari through the jungle and the desert. Their it's, safari is such a great addition to that park and such a great ride. And a tip from us is if you can get on that safari in the morning, like right when the park opens, you have a better chance of really being able to interact with all of the animals that are out there because they're so active they're out, in the They're morning. active in yeah. the morning. And then they have an area called Disney Springs. It used to be called Downtown Disney, which is sort of their air, their public area. You don't have to pay to get in. I love what they've done. It's full of restaurants and shops. And... But I just love how they've themed it to look like an early 20th century boardwalk. Yeah. I love the theming of it. It makes so much more sense. It fits in so it fits in with kind of the resorts that are in and around that area because you can take the boat from Port Orleans. And I feel like coming from, which is a place that we have stayed, Port Orleans, Riverside, I feel like staying in that environment and then taking the boat over to Disney Springs, like the two just go together so well. Plus Raglan Road is there, which is an Irish restaurant that we really, really like to eat at. Highly recommend. Yeah. And there are a lot of great restaurants down there. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a Cirque du Soleil show. And there's a Rainforest Cafe because there's a Rainforest Cafe <laughs> at every like mall or major outdoor shopping area. <laughs> but we really love it there. And um, and the, the thing I really wanted to talk about about Disney World is that it is for all ages. Absolutely. It's, it's not just for little kids. And... Um, we've, as a matter of fact, we've gone twice, just the two of us. We've gone twice, just the two of us. We've gone once when we've had a six month old, when our youngest was a baby. And we have gone recently with preschooler and elementary age children now. We've hit all the points so far we have, in our you, journey of life. You'll also hear people say, oh, don't take them when they're two years old. They're too young and they won't remember it. But you will. That's always my reply to that. But you will remember it. And I have some of the fondest memories of Henry at that park when he was six months old. Like sitting in Gaston's chair in Fantasyland, nursing him in that big giant chair. And I mean, that to me is a memory because it was in a space and I was with him and I was experiencing the park with him. 
And I can't recommend it enough. I and two year olds are free anyway. So yeah, I mean, you're not going to pay for them on the plane should you choose to fly. You're not going to pay for them to be in the room. You're not going to pay for them to get into the park. And at six months old, we didn't really have to pay anything for Henry to eat because he had me. The other cool thing about taking small children is that Disney World has this thing called Rider Swap, where you don't have to if you want to take one adult with the older kids on a ride. And then the other adult with the older kids on the ride, you don't have to wait in line twice. You just get this little card and you get to swap taking turns. Yeah, that's such a great... The flip side to that, though, is that Disney is also really well equipped to offer rides for the entire family. They are. We were able to take our six-month-old, and again, when we went again, Henry was two, we were able to take him on the majority. I would say 80% of the rides that our family went on, he went with us. And that's another really great thing about Disney is that their rides are accessible to all people for the most part in whatever, wherever they are in life. Yeah. Older, younger, all different sizes, all different needs. They can get wheelchairs on a lot of the rides. Yeah. They're, the rides are designed to accommodate larger people. If you go over to Universal and you're a larger person, you might have a really hard time sitting in some of the seats of the rides and they won't let you on. Yeah. And I've always really appreciated that about Disney because they do, in that respect, try to be as inclusive as possible and make the park accessible for as many people as possible. And for us and our family to be able to go on a ride together, Small World, Peter Pan, Winnie the Pooh, Dumbo, like... That was great to sit there with my kids, all different age levels, all different sizes, and with you, and go on these rides together. Let's talk about what the rides are for a minute. And attractions. For the most part, Disney isn't really just about rides. Attractions is really what they call them. Yeah. And a lot of them, you're just sitting in a seat in a theater. A lot of them, you're on some sort of moving ride that doesn't move fast or jolt you around or anything. Mm -hmm. But then there are some roller coasters and things like that as well. Yeah, they do a good job, again, of meeting every different thrill seeker's needs. Especially over in Hollywood Studio, I would say, if you're a real big thrill seeker, that's probably your park. Yeah. More than any other park. It's not all teacups and Dumbo. The I rides... can't ride the teacups, so it is not... Spinning rides are not for me, so Disney is not the teacup The ride. rides are about ingenuity. You know, it's about... Imagination. It, it is. It's about... An experience that you're not going to experience at a Six Flags. Well, there's a reason why they call themselves Imagineers. Yeah. Like, they really are doing their very best to immerse you in the world of that ride, in the world of that show, in the world of the park. And I've always really appreciated that from a performance, theater, artistic side. That part of me has always really appreciated how much they work and how hard they work to make this environment as immersive as possible for each individual person that's in there. Let's get into some of our tips for visiting Disney World. Let's do it. First of all, a lot of us RVers are sort of fly by the seat of our pants type of people. I mean, we are for sure. (laughs) I don't know how many times on this podcast we've been like, well, we're leaving in 36 hours. Don't know where we're going. (laughs) To get the best out of a Disney trip, you really need to do some serious planning. Yeah, listen to Jason on this one, guys. If you plan well, you can really avoid a lot of the lines, which is the biggest downfall of any theme park, 
is waiting for two hours in a line. We have never waited, I think, more than a half hour in any line at Disney World. Mm -mm. I think... And we go on pretty much everything. Yeah, and I would say the longest we ever wait usually ends up being in Toy Story Mania because of the popularity of that ride. And it's usually when we want to ride it the second time that we're waiting. Yeah, but it's... A lot of times these queues are themed and you can interact with the space while you're waiting in line. So again... They're themed and most of the queues for the rides are indoors too. Yes. So you're in the air conditioning. That's another thing. If If you're worried about the heat at Disney World... Almost every ride and attraction is indoors and super air conditioned. And it is so cold that you sometimes are like, okay, I'm ready to get back out into this 100 degree weather. I'm freezing. There's a website called touringplans.com that I like to use. And they charge a subscription fee. I think it's $12 per year. And you can just sign up for it for the year that you're going to Disney World. You wouldn't believe how scientific that this website and some other ones get in planning Disney trips. They know what rides are the busiest on what days of the week at what time of the day. So what they do is you can go into touringplans.com and they will make a schedule for you based on what kind of party you have. Are you a couple? Are you a family? How many days you're going to be there? What parks you're going to go to? What kind of tickets you have? And they're going to tell you which ride to go to at what time so that you avoid the crowds the most. Now, if you don't want your trip to be planned that closely, and honestly, who does? You can still get get a touring plan and just use it as a guideline. But the best thing that touringplans.com is going to tell you is which day of the week to go to which park. You can get these park hopper pass tickets from Disney that allow you to hop back and forth between the parks. They cost extra. We don't use them because we don't find the need for them. We'd like to spend our whole day at one park. We don't think the expense is worthwhile. And it also takes a lot of time to go back and forth between parks. So if you don't have park hopper tickets, Touring Plans is going to tell you, okay, on Monday of this week, Magic Kingdom is going to be the busiest park. And Animal Kingdom is going to have the least crowds. So you can decide which parks you're going to go to on which day that are going to have the least crowds. And even if you don't end up using this website at all, just a really good tip is that we have found that if you avoid the parks that are featuring extra magic hours for that day, you have better success at being with less crowd. It seems like any park that has extra hours in the beginning of the day or extra hours in the end of the day is going to be really, really busy. Yeah, so extra magic hours are there for people who stay on site. And if you stay at the campground, you also get access to these. Every day, one park opens early for people who are staying on site. And one park stays open late for people who stay on site, which sounds like a big benefit. We're not crazy about it because... Not all the rides are open during that time. And again, that park is going to be the busiest park of the day. Yeah, and if it's opening early, it's opening, I think, at like around 8 a.m. And for some people who are super early risers, get up and goers, that might seem like the perfect time to start your day. Our family, we are not quite moving and shaking to be running out the door at 7.30 to hit that 8 a.m. rope drop. Well, even, I mean... 
really we'd have to get out the door at seven to you know take the true to take the bus from the campground or from one of the hotels it it takes a while yeah so it kind of automatically for us is like well we're not going to be participating in that extra magic hour and getting there at 8 a.m anyway let's just avoid that park completely where can we go instead that day? And that has never really served us wrong. No, and that leads into our next tip is that if you get to any of the parks when they open, and I mean when they open. Not, get there for rope drop is what they, after, they call it. And sometimes they open like 15 minutes early See, because there's ooh, a big crowd sneaky. and they surprise you. But if you get there when they open, I swear you can ride almost every ride in those first two hours. Yeah, you can. And they do this really cute little like, we're opening the park show. Like each yeah. park is a little bit different in what they do. And that's kind of fun. It like sets the mood for the day. But yeah, we have gotten there when parks have opened. We have hung out. Rope drop happens. We head in and we do. We have a, we're able to go and do the rides we want to do. What we do not do and what I would really like to stress and ask people not to do is we do not run. <laughs> The people who the rope drops and they take off and they are dragging those children behind them. One of our favorite pastimes at Disney World is people watching. (laughs) And that is a good time to people watch because you've got these people, these families in their matching t-shirts, dragging their children, wearing fanny packs, running their butts off to get to a ride. And they're cute. Their shirts are cute. I would totally do matching shirts. Fanny packs have become incredibly popular again. (laughs) And... But it's the running. It's the running with the idea that, like, I have to be the first in line to get to this. And sometimes people, when they run, they're not being very aware of where they are in space. And we have watched time and time again people push and shove past other people to get past them. And also, that just kind of kills other people's vibes. Nobody likes being shoved into because there's a family behind you or a couple or an individual who is rushing to get ahead of you because they have to just get on, you know, Peter Pan before everybody else. We're all going to get to where we need to go. We're all going to get on the rides. I just recommend let's not run to get there. <laughs> the next tip that we want to, that sort of feeds into that is to utilize fast pass as well. Disney offers you, when you book a Disney vacation, they're going to send you a bunch of emails reminding you to do things. When you go to Disney World, you get this little thing called a magic band. It's a wristband that you wear on your wrist. and It is magic. It is magic. You can You use it as your room key. If your you're staying in a hotel. Your credit card is linked to it. It's waterproof. Your park tickets are on it. I don't bring my wallet into the parks. I leave it back in the car or in the hotel room. Just, you know, so it doesn't get wet or whatever. And everything is linked to your magic band. Yeah, it's so great. We put it on the minute we arrive in you know the resort and we don't take it off until we leave and the same with the kids everyone in the family gets one the kids love putting their magic band up to our door and having it make that little click sound if we're staying on site and they just they think it's great they love putting it up to the ride and watching the mickey ears turn colors yeah so so fast passes are linked to your magic band and they are a an advanced reservation for a ride time. So you can you can book your fast passes when Disney sends you an email telling you you can. I think it's I think it's 180 days out if you are staying on site and I think it's I, 90 days out if you are not staying on site. I think it's the same as the dining reservation. Yeah. And and that's another thing, dining reservations 
the, the sit-down restaurants get reserved well in advance. And at that on that 180 mark on that day, you need to make Midnight. your dining. You need to know which parks you're going to on which day and make your dining reservations on that day because they get booked up quickly. I would say that's probably one of my favorite things about planning for Disney is sitting down because and figuring out where we're going to eat. Where we're going to eat, what fast passes we're yeah. going to use, and what days we're going to go. It's so much fun. Yeah, because and the food, the restaurants at Disney do not let anyone tell you that you are not going to eat like a king at Disney because you will. It is Had not. a lot of stretchy pants. <laughs> it is not burgers and hot dogs and chicken no. nuggets everywhere. It, the, even the quick service food, the counter service food is really good. Yeah. Now, you might encounter some... A couple places that you might think, mm, I'm not so sure about that. But the majority of sit-down and counter-service restaurants cannot be beat, especially over in the World Showcase. We could dine every night over in Epcot's World Showcase and probably never have a bad meal. You know, the good thing about Disney World is so many people have gone there that there are restaurant reviews all over the place. Oh, yeah. So you can really find out if it fits your, your taste. Okay, let's talk a little bit about how tickets and packages work. You can, you can buy tickets from Disney. You can buy them elsewhere. There are not a lot of discounts available. No. A lot of big discounts available. You can get like a 10% discount from AAA. Florida residents, Florida residents get a discount. Other um, places. Military and veterans, I believe. The best discounts you're going to get are directly from Disney. And they're going to be based on special offers for different times of the year. The prices already fluctuate based on when Disney is busy and they are the busiest in June, July, December, towards the end of December through Christmas and New Year's. And closer to Halloween too. They're Close also... to Halloween, around spring break, the times you would expect. The times that are the cheapest and have the least crowds are going to be January, except for Martin Luther King weekend and except for uh, the Holiday weekend. The beginning yeah. of January. September early October, early November, early December. Those and are all going to be the, the lightest times we've and the enjoyed, times. Yeah, and we've enjoyed Disney twice in the month of January. And both times, weather was great. And the parks, there was hardly anyone there. We were on rides, flying around. I love going in January. Now, you say, when we say there's hardly anyone there, it is there's still... There's still people, people there. there. In the world of Disney... There's hardly anyone there. The park is still busy. And you still the, need to plan well. Right. Because, but the park is not crushingly yeah, busy. Right. Like you are not moving with masses as you try to get from one place to On another. Christmas and New Year's and the 4th of July, they often close the parks after a certain amount of people get in because they're at capacity. That's how busy it gets. Yeah. And you don't want to be around any of that. <laughs> and for anyone who does do that, I mean, more power I don't want to, to be you. Any of that. I that's yeah. I need space to breathe. So the Magic Your Way package is the package we recommend that you get from Disney, and that's going to include your stay and your park tickets. And we really recommend that you stay on site. You can go to a campground around Disney World, you can go to a hotel around Disney World, but staying on site offers many advantages. One being those extra magic hours we talked about. Uh, another being you get to be close and utilize Disney's transportation. So it doesn't take you an hour and a half, two hours to actually get into the park every single day. Right. Plus, you don't have to pay for parking. And at- that's a big deal to take into account when you when you look and you see, oh, this campground is cheaper. 
Well, take into consideration that you're going to be paying $20 a day to park. You can use Uber or a taxi or a lot of campgrounds and hotels are going to have shuttle services that will take you to the parks. But I got to tell you, I've done that so many times. The shuttle services are really terrible to wait for and you have only certain amount of time, times of the day you can get on them. So yeah, real and pain. if you're there with kids and it's the end of the day and you guys want to go home and go back to the room, there is just nothing worse than watching your hotel shuttle bus just trek off into the distance and then being stuck waiting for a really long time for the next one to show up. And think about if you're if you're camping and you stay at Fort Wilderness, you can go there for lunch you know, save a lot of money making your own lunch and, then, and take a nap and rest and go back into the parks. And that is something we have actually done. I'm glad you brought that up, too. The couple of times that we have gone and especially when we went just the two of us, what we got into a habit of doing for that week that Jason and I were there alone is that we would go to the park in the morning. We'd get there when it opens. We would hang out until early afternoon and the heat of the day. And then we would go back to our hotel, we would rest, take a nap, and then we would go back to the park later in the evening. And that was, for us, that just really worked because it allowed us to spend a lot of time in the park, but it also allowed us to go home and kind of just recharge a little bit. Especially in August. It was an August trip. We were avoiding the the noon to three o'clock. Yeah, it's hot. hot It's Florida. So also with the Magic Your Way packages... For staying on site you can add in the dining plan and there are different options for the dining plan there's the quick service dining plan that gives you just counter service meals there's a regular dining plan that's a combination and then there's deluxe dining where you can eat all table service meals deluxe dining is also known as abby's dining plan <laughs> <laughs> abby's dream dining abby, plan. yeah i should we say abby's dream dining <laughs> we haven't actually experienced it but in like my world someday that's what we're gonna do you can eat cheaper at disney world without buying the dining plan you can but <laughs> not a lot cheaper and we really love buying the dining plan because it's paid for in advance it's rolled into your total cost and you do not think about, you don't, you don't worry three times a day, oh my God, this meal is so expensive. Yeah, it's already done. It's taken care of. You're there. You just go and you eat. You, you have planned eat. and budgeted for your whole trip and you've paid for it in advance and you go eat. And, and they don't skimp. You get dessert with every meal. Oh, they don't skimp. It's, <laughs> it's so they good. don't. And they, the, the dining plan includes two meals a day and two snacks a day. Don't think you need that third meal. You absolutely don't. It's so much food. No, you don't. And another kind of benefit to, if we're talking about food and drinks, is with staying on site, is that you also get a refillable mug that is specific to your resort. And what you do when you arrive is they give it to you and activate it. And then inside that food court or restaurant of your resort, you can fill up with fountain drinks, coffee, tea, water, using that refillable mug for the entire time you're there at Disney. And so that's just kind of like another really great thing because each person gets one. And it's another way that like, oh, you guys are thirsty. Let's go fill up our mugs. And it's just kind of like one less thing you have to worry or think about, if that makes sense. Like the thing about Disney coming from my perspective is, with a family and traveling and just kind of being like someone who has a hard time letting go of control of a situation. 
When I get to go to Disney and we have done on-site dining plan and everything is taken care of in advance, those trips are some of the most relaxing trips I have ever been on because I have done everything and all I have to do is enjoy my time in the park with my family, which is work enough to do. I'm not going to lie. It is work when you are there with small children, but I don't have to think about anything else. Yeah. And I do feel like I relax. You know, you're staying on site. If you're staying in a room, someone comes and they clean it for you. And just sort of like all that day-to-day stuff is taken away from me. Yeah. And I appreciate that so much. (laughs) (laughs) So let's not sugarcoat it. Disney World is expensive. Oh, yeah. It's not not cheap. (laughs) For a lot of people, it's a a once-in-a-lifetime thing. For us, it's something that we plan and budget for. And it's our... You know, it's we we've done it instead of going on some other trips, it's instead our of thing. buying some yes. nicer cars. That it's it's our thing. We make a choice that this is something that we want to do multiple times with our children. We want to do alone, just the two of us. And so, like anything, I think that people are passionate about. We make choices that will allow that passion to continue to each their own. A once in a lifetime trip is still an amazing experience and you can still gleam a lot out of what we've talked about here. If you go multiple times, you know, there's still plenty that you can get from that too. I also want to suggest that you you take a longer trip to, to Disney World. A lot of people go and they take a weekend trip, they take a four-day trip because there are four parks or what have you. And the thing that Disney loves to do is to try to keep you from doing other things in Orlando so what they're going to do is charge you a lot less money to add on days to your ticket. So after that four day mark, like the sixth day, I think it's for a family of four, the sixth day is going to cost you like an additional $20 total to add on to your park tickets. You're going to have to pay additional for the hotel or the campground for that additional night. But it, it does get so much cheaper as you add on. We don't really do the rest of Orlando when no, we go down there. No, we don't. We have been to Universal a few times, and we love Harry Potter. And But honestly, those parks are even more expensive. And Disney for us is an all-inclusive, all-immersive trip. Yeah. If we wanted to do the other parks, I think for us that would need to be a separate trip outside of the Disney experience. Yeah. So on that note, um, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about really one of the cheapest ways to visit Disney World. But one of the coolest. But one of the coolest is camping. Fort Wilderness, when we return. So if you ask any RVer who's been to Disney's Fort Wilderness what the best campground in the U.S. is, <laughs> most of them are going to say Fort Wilderness. And there are a lot of reasons why. The biggest reason, of course, is that it's attached to Disney World. But Fort Wilderness is a destination on its own. You can go to Fort Wilderness and not even visit the parks. You could. You really could, actually. The, there are people that go to Fort Wilderness and full-time there. And Disney doesn't offer weekly or monthly discounts. Those people are my heroes. Those people are paying that <laughs> nightly rate, which I can know. get up to... Over- $170 <laughs> a night, like for the premium sites. 
they're they're there every night. They might have annual passes to the parks, I'm sure. But you know, yes, those people are. They are hardcore. <laughs> they're like Jason in about thirty years. What's cool about Fort Wilderness is it is just like a campground on steroids, but it's not a big. <laughs> it's not a big parking lot. No, no. It has well, how many people can they put? There are seven hundred ninety nine RVs or camping sites. But you would never know that there are seven hundred and ninety nine camping. They're sites. all divided into smaller loops that have their own sections, their own amenities, their own bathhouse. They do a really good job laundry. of privacy in each site. Yeah, there are trees between every single site. There's yeah. shrubs and bushes. You, you've got. They're not massive sites but they're not small sites no but and they're really well maintained i mean the whole campground is really well maintained but each individual site it does seem like as someone exits someone comes in there scrubs it all down puts a new picnic table there and lays fresh sand <laughs> it's pretty amazing how how well and you know if we we like to gloat about how great army corps of engineers sites are and how they well maintained are they are it's the same thing at Disney World. It's really all one Disney of the only World is like places Army Corps. Disney World's like Army Corps of Engineers, like on steroids <laughs> when it comes to maintenance. But the other thing about Fort Wilderness is just the massive number of activities there are to do. Yeah, you can go horseback riding, you can go canoeing, kayaking, fishing, hiking. They do a really great job of bringing the outdoors to this campground and not just making it feel like a parking lot where you park and then what is the thing to do? Go to Disney, go to Magic Kingdom, go to Epcot. They do a great job of making you feel like you are experiencing or have the opportunity to experience different activities within nature. It's like a big Boy Scout or Girl Scout jamboree, yeah. like an old fashioned one. You <laughs> it know? is. It's all th- it's all rustic ranch themed. Log cabins, you know, campfires at night with sing alongs. Like the sites are going to cost you a wide range of different prices depending on which site you suit, which site you choose, and the time of the year. And they can go from anywhere from fifty three dollars a night up to one hundred and seventy some dollars a night, and the cheapest sites are, they're only 25 feet long, so meant for smaller RVs, your Class Bs, your pop-ups, or tents. Every site has a sand tent pad at the back. So the regular RV sites are still going to have a tent pad at the back as well. So if sand. you feel like, you know, and I completely would agree with you, that $150, $170 a night is very expensive for your RV camp spot, you can have up to 10 people. So you could actually bring another family with you and share that site. Have yeah. someone in a tent and then another family in the RV or whatever and split that cost and make it even more cost effective. All the Disney World hotels, if, if they're not a suite, they only sleep up to six people. Most of them four. Most some, of them Some four. of them five. Yep. So it's a way to have your whole family there. And not be splitting people up between two rooms. Exactly. But also, in the campground, they have these cabins, which are really nice. So if you have some family members you want to bring down, grandma and grandpa, you want to put them up in a, in a cabin, that's a good option because they have like a full kitchenette and a grill and a patio. and But they also get room service. 
They also get, you know, housekeeping, that sort of stuff. Or mousekeeping, as it's known <laughs> at Disney. And if the cabins aren't their thing, the Wilderness Lodge Hotel is only a short, short walk down a path from the campground. And it's gorgeous. It's stunning. It's, it's designed like a big national park lodge. Yeah, it's worth, even if you don't stay there, it's worth just taking a trip over and going through the lobby and just checking out the hotel because it is so beautiful and the theming on it is so great. So Disney World has these three levels of sites. They have the, they call them pop-up or tent Tent. sites, but you can also put a class B or a smaller travel trailer on those sites as well. We tried really hard to see if Bussy would squeeze onto one of those sites. And now they do have that (laughs) sand pad at the back. So you can over, you can be longer than 25 feet. I'd say 30 feet is probably the max because you can overhang a bit, but we're just, we're just too long. (laughs) We can't make Bussy shrink. Uh, so then they have the regular RV sites and then they have the premium sites, which are better locations and they've got bigger pads. They're they're double wide concrete pads. Yeah, I think something like 18 feet wide yeah. is how big those double yeah. ones are. Yeah. And up to 50 feet long. I yeah. Believe. So you've got a lot of variation in this in the in the sites and they're going to charge you different prices based on those. They're going to charge you the most for right, those sites, just so you know. <laughs> so some of the options for entertainment at Fort Wilderness are... First, you've got pools, which are fantastic. All of Disney pools are really well-kept, giant. They all have water slides. They're a lot of fun. But they also have uh, like a kid splash pad as well. Yeah. So they do a great job of having options for the smallest member up to your biggest member. They all have arcades. Um, Like we said, they've got the ranch where you where you can do horseback rides, but you can just go visit and pet the horses as well. They also have a nightly campfire with Chippendale where you can go and roast marshmallows and have s'mores, which is cool. All of the hotels and the campground have nightly movies, so you can go watch an outdoor movie. And then there are a couple paid experiences at Fort Wilderness. The Mickey's Backyard Barbecue is a big... It's a buffet. It's a buffet with Mickey and and Minnie and, other and there's characters. some Western-themed entertainment, like, you know, um, an individual who's doing rope tricks. We've heard from other people. We haven't done Mickey's Backyard Barbecue, but we've heard from other people that the food isn't really worth the price. You're going to be paying about $60 a person And that's for pretty an adult. expensive. And, and that's a lot of money for, for a dinner and a show. Um but what we do love is about the same price range. It's cheaper for children. But the same price range is the hoop de doo review. Yes, I know. The hoop de doo review is like the silliest name, but we love this review. It is absolutely worth what you pay for it in regards of the food and the entertainment and the space that it is in. This is a great time with a great show. This is a big, you go into sort of a saloon, a, a saloon dining hall type experience. Yeah. And there are round tables that you, you have a private table. And there are three different tiers of seating. There, the Tier one is up front. Tier two is around the sides. And tier three is up in the balcony. And there are different prices for the different tiers. But then there's a stage up front with a show. And it's a old-fashioned, western-themed 
comedy yeah. routine song and dance and yeah you know slapstick jokes and audience participation and interaction it's just like a rollicking good time so the show starts and your servers come around and they plop <laughs> giant buckets of chicken these these stainless steel buckets oh. of fried chicken ribs corn on the cob mashed potatoes biscuits biscuits stick to your ribs type food oh man that, that is food so, is good. so and good and it is and it is well done it is great fried chicken it is so good like and it's one of those really really decadent meals like it's not something i could eat every day but you you almost are like can i get a bucket of this to go <laughs> it's just that good so you can do those sorts of paid paid experiences, and they're a lot of fun. And then there's even other things they have, especially during Halloween. They have a parade. Yeah, I was gonna say it's seasonal people activities. Decorate their campsites at Halloween and Christmas, and you wouldn't believe. I mean, they decorate them like if you've gone to one of those neighborhoods where they have competitions between houses as to who has like the better Halloween decorations. This is the campground version of that, yep. where people will have like thirty inflatables on their campsite it's really cool what people do and how dedicated people are to doing this in the campground like it is of itself its own attraction it gets its own little theme park during the seasons like with plus you get to take the boats over to the magic kingdom they have a boat that takes you across the lake you can take the bus service and from from the shores you can see the electric light parade which is this parade of boats that disney does that are sort of decorated in they're not really boats they're sort of floats it's it's a floats it's a it's a a lit up parade at nighttime that winds through the lagoon that you can watch from the campground which is really cool yeah so fort wilderness is a great option we highly recommend it for anyone who wants to experience disney and also wants to experience it with their rv and you can go down there without towing if you're if you're just taking a trip down there, you don't need to tow a car behind you because you you won't need a car when you get down there. Not at all. You can we've we we really legitimately do not leave Disney World when we go down there. We do not. <laughs> there is no need. It is all inclusive. Yeah. I mean, if you were going to need groceries and stuff, you might want to do you might want to have a vehicle, but you can have groceries sent to the resort. For us, it's our time to not cook food. Yeah. not do any of that sort of stuff. I mentally check out on this vacation from most of my parenting responsibilities. <laughs> so if you've never been somebody who thought you would go to Disney World, if if you thought that it was just for children, I really hope you'll just take a look at it and watch some YouTube videos and decide as to whether it's something you want to do. Because as commercial as it is, as expensive as it is, we really think it is one of those experiences that rates up there with anything else we we've done i agree on that note let's wrap this up with this week's brain teaser a factory worker is arrested and charged with a brutal murder ouch jason yeah sorry to bring it down after (laughs) wow not the happiest place on on earth anymore after strong evidence points to him as the culprit later he's implicated in several other crimes scattered across the country he was innocent what had happened? Wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> Traveling salesman. Uh, he's a ghost that keeps haunting all of these factories. 
Help me out here. Am I close? (laughs) Here's a few hints. His fingerprints were found at the murder scene and at the other crime scenes. He was not a criminal. He was incriminated because of his job. And like I said, it is Halloween themed. And that, I think, is your biggest clue. He's a candy corn distributor and was giving out candy corn to people. No. These are crimes that would have been impossible for him to commit. Huh. Well, we'll just have to get that answer next week, won't we, Jason? (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for joining us this week. Please remember to... uh, Give us a little like on social media. We would love a five-star review on iTunes. It just kind of helps us get in front of more people. And of course, if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at editor at rvmiles.com. We'll see you next week. Keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.